It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. And if you're looking for a place to make your online wagers, very simple betonline.ag you use promo code podcast one betonline.ag your online sports book experts he is evan silva the single greatest and best fantasy analyst on the planet i know you won't say that evan so i will you can check him out on twitter at evan silva and he's the reason why you're here because you want to get his rookie dynasty rankings 1 through 30. This is what it's all about for those of you that play dynasty. And really, even if you don't, I mentioned this last week, very important for everybody to know where Evan ranks these rookies for all the redraft leagues, any league you're in. I don't care, DF, I don't care what league you're in. You got to know where Evan has these rookies heading into the season. You also, oh, by the way, I didn't even mention, I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. I got a bunch of different podcasts, Ross Tucker football podcast. If you like gambling on the games, it's the Even Money podcast. If you like the draft in college, it's the College Draft podcast. If you like the business of the NFL, Andrew Brandt's all over the business of sports. And, of course, the Fantasy Feast Love when you guys spread the word just by retweeting Evan at Evan Silva or me at Ross Tucker NFL. I also love telling you about incredible deals that you otherwise wouldn't know about, like Lightstream. Look, it's not a crime to have credit card debt, but in my mind, it's criminal to not at least explore Lightstream to pay off that credit card debt. Be smart. Pay it off. You can get a fixed rate from these dudes for 5.95% APR with auto pay. Think about what you're paying on your credit cards right now. Wipe out the credit card debt. Boom, wipe it out. And then just pay Lightstream 5.95%. I mean, it could be anywhere from $5,000 to $100,000. There's no fees. You're just paying the rate. If you want to save even more, you guys can get an additional interest rate discount if you go to lightstream.com slash feast. That's the key. L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash feast. Lightstream.com slash feast. Huge. Highly recommend it. Uh, subject to credit approval, of course. Rate includes 0.5% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash feast for more information. Absolutely an awesome deal for you dudes. Speaking of awesome, Evan, let's do it. We did your five undrafted running backs. We did 31 through 50 last week. Let's dive in. Evan, we'll start with number 30. I like it. Now we're getting into the, some of the big names. Ravens wide receiver Miles Boykin. There's an opportunity there in Baltimore. Yeah, Miles Boykin quite literally tested as the best athlete that attended the combine out of anyone. I mean, like, like literally, you know, better than um, you know some of those pass rushers, Montez Sweat, and um, 
you know, the, the, the guy that the Panthers took uh, at number 16 overall, Miles Boykin had a better combine than any of those guys, but he only produced for one year at Notre Dame, and he goes to a situation where he's probably not going to get a lot of targets. You know, you go back and look at how the Ravens conducted their offense last season. Um, Lamar Jackson did not hit 30 pass attempts in any of his regular season starts. So that's a big concern for Marquise Brown, who we're eventually going to get to, and it's a big concern for Miles Boykin, and look, I wish that Miles Boykin had gone to a better fantasy landing spot because I really wanted to like him in fantasy, but it's tough to like him in fantasy when you know that the future holds three to five targets per game. 29, Vikings tight end Irv Smith, which seems like a fluid situation with Kyle Rudolph right now. I guess I'm wondering if Kyle Rudolph's not there, Evan, how much that would affect your rankings for Irv Smith? I'm already kind of factoring it in. I mean, we've heard rumblings that Kyle Rudolph isn't going to be there for months uh, in, in my mind. So, And it doesn't make sense for Kyle Rudolph to be there, actually, because they've got Tyler Conklin there uh, as well, who can kind of perform a lot of the duties that Kyle Rudolph can. And they've also got David Morgan, who is a really good blocking tight end, and they drafted Irv Smith, now a receiving tight end. So, I mean, they, they're prepared to, to move on from Kyle Rudolph. I would be very, very, very surprised if Kyle Rudolph is on the 2019 roster. I think he's either going to get cut or he's going to get traded in a pick swap trade to a team like the Patriots. Um, with Irv Smith, you know, I, I really didn't love him coming out of college. I mean, 240-pound tight end tend to really not, not make it in the NFL. or They tend to become uh, limited role players. But if they do move, from Kyle, move on from Kyle Rudolph, which I think that they will, that's going to free up a lot of opportunity for Irv Smith. This guy did have over 700 receiving yards um, this past year at Alabama, which is a ton for a wide receiver, you know, let alone a tight end uh, at, at that school, which runs the ball a lot, you know, and I think that Irv Smith has kind of grown on me a little bit, but I still have him at 29. It's not particularly high. I, you know, at a devalued position in fantasy, he gets bumped down a little bit, even though he has gotten benefits uh, post-draft. 28, Packers tight end Jay Sternberger. Yeah, Jay Sternberger. You know, Greg Cosell had him as the number two tight end in this draft behind only Hawkinson ahead of Noah Fant. Um, and I liked him a lot when I watched him play. He, uh, he also averaged over 17 yards per reception this past year at Texas A&M. That's not a statistic you see very often that high from a tight end. Tight ends tend to be in the you know, 10 to 13 yards per reception range. Jay Sternberger, over 17 yards per reception. 77% of his receptions turned into first downs. Um, or touchdowns this past year. When you watch him play, you see him moving around everywhere. Um, he played tight end, slot, H-back, uh, even outside receiver. His test results weren't that great, 476, 7.16, three-cone time, but they're not terrible either. Um, and I think when you watch him play, you can tell that he's athletic and he's got great, great hands. Um, and... Jimmy Graham, I think, is kind of running out of gas. So, 
it, it's a good situation short and long term for Jay Sternberger. We could see him producing, I think, as early as the second half of this season. Number 27, 49ers wide receiver Jalen Hurd. And I say it like that because Kyle Shanahan's already said that this kid might be playing all over the place. Yeah, I feel like this guy is going to be a major conundrum for fantasy sites in terms of position eligibility because he began his career as a running back starting over Alvin Kamara at Tennessee. Uh, He goes to Baylor, has a great season, um, catching a ton of passes uh, to finish out his career. And then he goes to the NFL, and Kyle Shanahan discusses him like he might play tight end. So, and he's six foot five, two thirty. I mean, he's six foot five, two thirty, and he was a starting running back and a good one in the SEC. That, that's pretty darn impressive. Um, he only ran four six four, four six six before the draft. Uh, so, I think that his measurables actually do line up best with um, with a tight end. But he was a slot receiver this past year at Baylor. And, you know, it's going to be just interesting to see what position eligibility he's – because if he has multiple position eligibility, that's going to greatly enhance his fantasy value, and I I can definitely see him getting there. How do they decide that? It's – you know, sometimes they'll change in season. You remember when Ty Montgomery um, was – he was, you know, ticketed to be – like a, a backup slot receiver behind Randall Cobb, but then he um, he winds up being the Packers' starting running back. And some websites change, you know, gave him an additional position flexibility, uh, uh, position eligibility during the season. But some sites didn't, and the sites that didn't made a mistake. Like you have to, I mean, it's it's gonna it's it's a, a very non-exact science. Number 26, Steelers running back Benny Snell. Yeah, so I actually wanted to ask you about this, Ross. Do you think that Benny Snell poses a threat to James Conner? You know, James Conner, I mean, Benny Snell is a fourth-round pick. I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at at the running back position these days. They've got Jalen Samuels there. I mean, are are we starting to get a little concerned about James Conner's role? I think that I think Connor will always be the lead dog. I just think it's a question of how many snaps, how many reps they give to to Benny Snell, and I don't think we can really know that till we see you know what he does in preseason, how he does in pass pro, things like that. I think they I think that they're happy with Connor as the number one guy, but there's yeah. enough injury risk and health risk, I guess, with Connor that they wanted to make sure they had another option and another guy. I mean, that's why they drafted Connor when they had Le'Veon Bell. They, they always kind of want to have that that next guy or another option. And Snell's got that, you know, hard-charging kind of style and personality that I swear it's like sometimes they draft people because Steelers fans will just love the guy, <laughs> like the way, the way he plays. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with that, and I think that's good analysis. We can move on to the next one. Next one is number 25, and that is 
Jags running back Ryquel Armstead. I feel like this is a guy that a lot of people know about. Yeah, and look, he got drafted into a situation where Leonard Fournette has missed time due to, um, or he has missed 14 out of his last 44. This is going back to LSU. He has missed 14 out of his last 44 possible games. And primarily due to injury, but also due to off-field stuff. And I think that there is a breaking point that the Jaguars can reach where they just kind of move on from Leonard Fournette. I mean, the guy is kind of, I mean, he's, you know, it's not like he's doing bad things, but he's doing things that like are pissing off Tom Coughlin. And, you know, that's not, that's not the situation that, that you want to be in. So they, they draft Reichwell Armstead um, as another hard charging running back who um, carried the ball a ton uh, at Temple. He ran four four five uh, at 220 pounds coming out of college. That's a really impressive, just straight speed score. He only caught 29 passes in 47 college games, but I think he is the favorite to open the season as Leonard Fournette's primary handcuff. And look, there can be a lot of fantasy value in that because of his injury proneness and his proneness to just piss off Tom Coughlin. Number 24 is Cowboys running back Tony Pollard. Really interesting prospect that I had not even heard of until, and just wasn't even on the radar at all until uh, Gil Brandt published his top one, his hot top 150 or his hot 150 or whatever, um, a couple, like about a month before the draft. And I was like, why does he have this Tony Pollard guy? like right around the top 100. And then I looked into him more, and the guy played behind Daryl Henderson at Memphis. Um, and he's 6'210", so he's got plus size. He returns seven kickoff returns for touchdowns in college. He caught 104 passes in three seasons at Memphis. He actually left school early despite being a backup for Daryl Henderson. He's a really, really talented guy, and he can catch passes, and he ran 4.42 at 210 pounds. And he's not, you know, he was not used as a traditional running back at Memphis. But, man, he's got a, a, a ton of talent. If something happens to Ezekiel Elliott, and they also may use him just as a, as a gadget player. But right now, if you look at their depth chart, who they have on their roster, they've got Darius Jackson, who – you know, they never want to give him the ball in a regular season game. Um, and then uh, Mike Weber, who is already having knee problems out of Ohio State and never caught any passes at, at Ohio State. And, you know, he's he was a late seventh-round pick. So he's probably not even going to make the team. Tony Pollard is in really interesting position right now to maybe be a flex asset if they start to get a little bit more creative in Dallas. But also, if, if something happens to Ezekiel Elliott, and this is another, another guy who, you know, kind of just keeps having brushes. He's not, you know, he, he had another brush recently. Um, and I think, I think that Tony Pollard is in really interesting position. And, yeah, I, I, every time that I do dynasty rankings, I keep pushing Tony Pollard up. 23, Cardinals wide receiver Hakeem Butler one of the most polarizing prospects in the draft. 
Yeah, one of the most polarizing prospects I think I've ever seen heading into a draft. I mean, you had, you know, Greg Cosell, Matt Waldman, you know, Josh Norris all had him as the number one receiver in the draft. But we all we knew all along that the NFL was much lower on Hakeem Butler than those guys were. Um, so, so it wasn't terribly surprising that he went where he went, but I did expect him to be a day two pick. Of course, he was the first pick on day three. So I mean, not, not that much of a difference, but, you know, I went back and I, I've done a lot of research on the Cliff Kingsbury offense. And what happens is, the inside slot guys tend to be small, quick guys like Andy Isabella and Christian Kirk. And then the bigger receivers tend to be outside guys. That's not to say that the outside guys can't produce, um, but the inside interior slot guys, are, those are the guys like Jakeem Grant and um, uh, uh, Kiki QT. You know, those are the guys who have the monster seasons in Cliff Kingsbury's offense. I went back through – five or six years of Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury's offense, and there were really, there was really only one outside receiver that was big that had a lot of production. It was Antoine Wesley, uh, who went undrafted. I think he signed, I want to say he signed with the Ravens um, after the draft, but he was the only big, receive, big outside receiver that I could find over five or six years that had really big-time statistics in that Cliff Kingsbury offense. I think it's so predicated on getting rid of the ball quickly, um, which because Texas Tech did not have great offensive linemen, hey, the Arizona Cardinals don't either. I think that the interior slot guys are the guys to target in that passing game. Good insight there. I love the research. How about 22 Packers running back Dexter Williams? I know that's your guy. Yeah, I like Dexter Williams before and especially after the draft. Now, he's a compensatory six-round pick, okay? So the Packers did not invest a lot of draft capital in him. These are guys that, you know, very often can get cut um, before, the, you know, before the season and end up on a practice squad or just end up out of the league. So there's a very, very low floor for Dexter Williams. But if you look at the situation that he landed in, Jamal Williams has kind of shown himself to be a very replacement level or, or worse running back. And the number one back, Aaron Jones, has missed eight games over the last two seasons due to multiple MCL injuries and also um, uh, off-field stuff. So that's not a good combination for Aaron Williams. Uh, at the Combine, uh, Brian Gutekunst, their their GM, uh, said that Aaron Jones' conditioning has not been where it needs to be. So Dexter Williams landed. I think he's a really talented back, really explosive, and he landed in a situation where uh, his opportunity might be better than a lot of people think. Number 21, another running back. This one, Patriots running back, Damian Harris. Feels like there's a lot of running backs there, Evan. So many running backs. And that is the the conundrum that we're going to have to figure out. Is Rex Burkhead going to get cut? You know, I'd, I'd hate to see it, but that's a reality that, that we, we may be dealing with. It, this is more a bet on the Patriots than, than anything else. And... Running backs that go to the Patriots, although 
they don't get, you know, uh, feature back workhorse usage. They tend to be very productive when they do get opportunities. Where is Damian, uh, Damian Harris going to slot in? I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, this is a bet on a team. And I think the Patriots are very much moving toward becoming a power running team. We saw what they did in the second half of last season. They drafted, what, two or three more offensive linemen. They drafted Damian Harris out of uh, Alabama, you know, one year after drafting Sony Michelle in the first round. And you look at their receiver depth chart, not real good. So I think that they're very much uh, transitioning to a team that is going to run the ball a ton in, in the next, uh, you know, one, two, three years. Let's get to number 20, and it's a first-rounder. Broncos tight end Noah Fant. Yeah, I mean, he plays a devalued position. When is he going to hit? I'm not sure. He's also, I mean, I think he's, he's an exciting prospect. But, you know, is he going to be a true difference maker at the position in fantasy football? It takes a lot to get there and become a true difference maker at tight end in fantasy football. Rob, Rob Gronkowski was that guy for a lot of years. Now it's Kelsey, Kittle, and Ertz. But not a whole lot other than them. You know, we, we can dream up guys like Hunter Henry and O.J. Howard and you know, Vance McDonald and Hope and Jared Cook and hope that they take a step forward, but they really haven't been that yet. And, you know, it's just really, really rare to have a true difference maker at the tight end position in fantasy football. And no, is Noah Fant going to be a good enough blocker to be on the, you, you have to be an every down player. And is Noah Fant going to be an every down player? I'm, I'm not sure. You know, eventually I think the Broncos want him to be, but I'm not sure that he's going to be that in the short term or, you know, for the next several years. This next guy, number 19, Vikings running back Alexander Madison, he, he might have been the highest drafted player, Evan, that I hadn't really heard about. Like when they – I was like, who? I, I just – I hadn't heard that name. I hadn't seen him in running back rankings of like the top 10 running backs. Maybe I just missed him. But I think he was like the highest drafted skill guy that I knew nothing about. Not a real exciting pick uh, just on paper. Um, he averaged 4.9 career yards per carry at Boise State. That's well below what you're looking for uh, at the running back position. He ran 4.67 with a 7.133 cone. Neither of those measurements are, are, are very good. Um, he is 221 pounds, so he's a big back, and he carried the ball a lot. We also... Uh, he gained 15 yards or more on just three. Uh, oh, he had, so he had 302 carries this past year. Nine of them, only nine of them went for 15 yards or more. So this is not a big playback. You know, this is, he's a grinder, but he landed in a good position. And what have we, you know, learned over the years, over and over, and it's just been drilled into our heads, and it's so true, is that, the running back position is most impacted by volume, just getting the rock. And he's going to a situation where he's going to be the clear number two running back. They use a third-round pick on him behind Dalvin Cook, who has missed 16 of 32 possible games through two NFL seasons. So this is a, a, val this is a volume um, and draft capital play on Alexander Madison. Number 18, 
Bills running back Devin Singletary. Yeah, and you look at the the running back position in Buffalo, it looks very, very crowded. But, you know, Frank Gore is year to year. LaShawn McCoy already has one foot out the door. TJ Yeldon is there on a one-year, on a two-year deal, but he only got five hundred thousand guaranteed, and he could he could be cut before the season. I mean, I don't think he will be because I think that TJ Yeldon is a, an underrated back. But you know, they he's not like a guy that they're counting on long term. This draft pick itself was surprising to me. Uh, Devin Singletary, a smaller guy who runs four six six. That you know, there's not a lot of precedent for guys that are two and three pounds that run four, six, six to become big time NFL backs. Um, but, you know, I think that they envision him as their lead back of the future. He carried the ball a ton at Florida Atlantic, 714 carries in three seasons. Um, and he, his style is kind of similar to LaShawn McCoy. He's not as talented as LaShawn McCoy, but his style is similar to LaShawn McCoy. And that kind of tells me all these kind of, data points kind of tell me that they're looking at uh, Singletary as their lead back of the future. Number 17, this is my guy right here. Steelers wide receiver Deontay Johnson. He's my guy. I'm going to give some insight, multiple reasons here. Number one, um, I called the Toledo-Nevada game last year for CBS Sports Network, so I watched Toledo play. And he is good. He tore up the Miami secondary. I don't know how, but the week before Toledo played Miami in Toledo, which I don't know how that game got scheduled, but at any rate, the, the Hurricanes, not Miami, Ohio, the Hurricanes, like the, all their DBs were good and drafted. He tore those kids up. I mean, he lit them up. And he's an unbelievable returner. And not many guys leave the MAC early. But he did because he had dominated to such extent that it was like, okay, uh, he's a special player. And by the way, even if we knew nothing other than the fact that he was a wide receiver drafted by the Steelers, that's good enough for me. I mean, it really is. It's it's uncanny how good they are at drafting receivers. And combine that with what I saw in person. I met with him, talked with him, had a good head on his shoulders. And uh, I, I was just really impressed all the way around. I'd be surprised if he doesn't end up outplaying his draft position. And he is going to move into the slot. I mean, he's going to be a slot receiver in Pittsburgh. That's actually kind of a, a concern for Juju Smith-Schuster. If Deontay Johnson comes on real strong, like we kind of want Juju Smith-Schuster to continue to play 40 to 60% of his snaps in the slot. But I think Deontay Johnson is going to be a slot receiver. He was the best punt returner in the entire draft. Um, he averaged 20 yards per punt return um, this past season. So he's he, he, he landed in a very, very good position, and I agree with you that he's probably a guy that was very underrated before the draft. You, look, you go back and look at how many receiver successes, uh, especially among uh, small receivers, that they originated as return guys. Antonio Brown originated as a return guy. He was an unbelievable punt returner early in his career when no one knew about him. 
for the Steelers. Odell Beckham was an unbelievable punt returner uh, at LSU. Deshaun Jackson was a great kickoff returner at Cal. Even even some big uh, – Tiwa Hilton was a great uh, punt and kickoff returner. Even some big guys, Des Bryant was an unbelievable kickoff and punt returner at Oklahoma State. It's just these guys are good with the ball in their hands. And, you know, this guy is small, and he, his, you know, his paper stats aren't that great at um, – or his paper measurables, 4.53 at 183 pounds. But this guy's good with the ball in his hands. And you're right, he got drafted into a great, great situation from the Steelers' historical ability to draft wide receivers to, hey, this could, you know, this guy could be their slot receiver by like week four this year. How about number 16? You mentioned him earlier, Cardinals wide receiver Andy Isabella. Yeah. Inside slot guy for Cliff Kingsbury. That that that's going to be a theme throughout the off season. It's not the biggest sample size going back uh, to his Texas Tech days, but that's where the guys got. Those are the guys that got the most production consistently year over year in this four wide spread offense. Were the inside slot guys, and I think that that's exactly what Andy Isabella is going to be. And I think that there is a chance that he could actually make some redraft noise this year um, if he does lock down one of those inside slot positions. Number 15, Ravens running back Justice Hill. Number two spark score among all running backs invited to the combine. Uh, Actually, number one was uh, uh, Alex Barnes, who we talked about on the first, on the initial podcast. But Justice Hill was number two. And he was drafted early in the fourth round by the Ravens. Um, He was so good at Oklahoma State as a true freshman that he kept Chris Carson on the bench. Chris Carson, oh, by the way, finished top five in the NFL in rushing yards this past season. Um, So, hey, it takes some ability, especially for a guy like Justice Hill, who's who's a little bit smaller to keep a guy like Chris Carson on the bench. That, that's a really impressive early career accomplishment. He went on to become very, very productive as both a runner and a receiver at Oklahoma State, and he landed in the run-heaviest offense in the NFL. Um, so I, I really like the landing spot. I, I think that they're going to envision him as kind of the Alvin Kamara to Mark Ingram's Mark Ingram. Um, in Baltimore, of course, the, you know Mark Ingram is now uh, uh, the, the Ravens' lead running back. I just I would not be surprised if Justice Hill, you know, it's like it's week three or week five, and we're like Justice Hill needs the ball more because this dude is awesome. I mean, I think that we can very much envision that scenario. I think he's a pick in redraft leagues in like the twelfth or thirteenth round. Um, I, I'm I'm very excited about Justice Hill. Number 14, Kyler Murray, Arizona Cardinals. Probably heard of that guy. Probably have. Um, I considered him putting him up as high as number six overall. I think he's going to be a difference maker. You know, we talk about how quarterbacks are, have become devalued, but you know what, has, what will never be devalued is difference makers week to week at the position. And you go back and look at, where was Deshaun Watson drafted in his rookie draft? 
Where was Patrick Mahomes drafted in his rookie draft? Where was Baker Mayfield taken this past year, you know, right at the fringe of the first round? Um, and all those guys, if you went back into their rookie drafts, they belonged in the middle of the first round. Okay. And Kyler Murray, I think, belongs there. And if you have a quarterback need, just take him. Right now, I have him ranked super conservatively here. But if I had a quarterback need, which, which I actually do in a couple of my dynasty leagues, because I've been using these old fogies like Phillip Rivers and Tom Brady for the past five to six years, um, if I had a quarterback need, I would be very willing to take him at number six, number eight, you know, anywhere in there. I think he's going to be a difference maker as a, a dual threat, a guy who's a super aggressive passer and a quick twitch runner. And I think that this, this Cliff Kingsbury offense, I know a lot of people have been down on him because he had a losing record at Texas Tech. I don't care. I think that this Texas, this, uh, Texas Tech style offense is going to have at least initial success. And um, I think that Kyle, Kyle Murray is going to, Kyler Murray is going to ride that wave. Number 13, Lions tight end TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, and this is another situation where, hey, if you have a tight end need, you know, I wouldn't mind taking him at number 10, you know, number 9, somewhere in that range. Um, love TJ Hawkinson, won the Mackey Award as a redshirt sophomore at Iowa. I think he's a really high floor play, and I think he's got a lot of upside in Detroit. I mean, their, their other competition for targets in the middle of the field is Danny Amendola, who tends to not last real long. Um, and then they've got two good outside receivers uh, in Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. But I think TJ Hawkinson can own the middle of the field in the Lions passing game. And we saw how productive Golden Tate was in that role for many, many years. Number 12, Titans wide receiver A.J. Brown. This is a guy who moved down for me a lot after the draft, goes to a situation where, you know, Corey Davis is there. He had a huge target share this past year. It's almost certainly going to go down. But they also added uh, Adam Humphreys. Delaney Walker is coming back. Um, I just, you know, their quarterback situation, they don't have a quarterback on their roster that is signed for the 2020 season. So just a little too much uncertainty for me. I loved A.J. Brown before the draft, but I was down on him after the draft because this landing spot is, just a little bit too much uncertainty for me. Number 11, Ravens wide receiver Marquise Brown. A lot of Ravens. Most explosive receiver in the draft. I mean, you know, and I'm not a guy who's like, I'm very much a guy who looks at, you know, what what is his size and, and his weight and, you know, how can we categorize him historically and you can't really categorize Marquise Brown historically because he's 166 pounds, or at least that's what he weighed in at the NFL Combine. Now, that's after he had you know, been rehabbing his foot injury. You know, um, he could probably lose weight quickly. I mean, he could, you know, he could be a guy that plays at 176, and then that puts him right back into you know, the Deshaun Jackson, Tyreek Hill, T.Y. Hilton bucket. And I think that's where he belongs. I mean, when I watched him play, he was so impressive. Um, he was not just a, a deep, you know, deep ball go-getter at, at all. He was a guy who could turn short passes 
into long games. Now he goes to Baltimore, and we've, you know, we've criticized the situation from a passing game standpoint. But Marquise Brown has a chance to dominate the passing game, I think, in Baltimore. And that run threat is going to keep you know, defenses closer to the line of scrimmage, and Marquise Brown can get behind the defense. So, you know, I think that this year, like, he's going to be a really intriguing uh, DFS stack where you play Lamar Jackson and then you play uh, Marquise Brown. And, hey, you know, he only gets five, six, seven targets in a game maybe. But if he catches three for, you know, 102 yards and a, and a touchdown and Lamar Jackson, you know, runs for one as well, you're really in business. That's that's kind of the way that I think this offense is going to work. And Marquise Brown, I think, is in a maybe a better position than, um, you know, anyone else as being at the forefront of the passing offense. I just I don't think it's going to support multiple passing game members. Number 10. We're in the top 10 now. Chiefs wide receiver Mecole Hardman. Nicole Hardman, one of the best return specialists in the draft. And we already talked about the value of guys who are just good with the ball in their hands. Ran 4-3-3 at 183 pounds. Only had 56, 59 catches in his entire college career. You know, this guy and Riley Ridley and Terry Godwin, they had three receivers. Georgia had three receivers drafted. Um, but none of them had good production at the college level. Um, but Nicole Hardman, you know, from a growth standpoint, this guy just turned 21. He turned 21 in, in March. Um, he was so good with the ball in his hands. And he goes from, you know, one of the run heaviest offenses in college football to one of the pass heaviest and pass friendliest passing games in the NFL. This, I think this guy could absolutely explode um, if he's given the opportunity a lot of it depends on Tyreek Hill, what's going to happen with Tyreek Hill. But I think at a very minimum, we're going to see Tyreek Hill suspended for six to eight games, and it's entirely possible that he never plays another down for the Chiefs. And that would set up Nicole Hardman uh, to be, you know, potentially their number one receiver, Patrick Mahomes' number one wide receiver of the future because Sammy Watkins can't stay healthy. And their other guy is Demarcus Robinson. Number nine, Niners wide receiver Debo Samuel. Yep, and there was a time when I had him ranked at number six overall. Um, you know, it's not his fault that he moved down to, to number nine, but I think that that's his range. You know, you could take him as early as number six, and I don't think it would be bad. At number nine, I think I, I felt more comfortable with him. Uh, he, the 49ers apparently wanted Nikhil Harry, Nikhil Harry, uh, at this pick, it was the fourth pick in the second round. Um, but Debo Samuel was a guy that they kind of settled on after that. He's five foot eleven, two fourteen. I think he reminds me a lot of Pierre Garcon, um, and he may end up playing a little bit more slot than Pierre Garcon did. Uh, but I think that that's you know the kind of player that Kyle Shanahan envisioned. And Kyle Shanahan a lot, had a lot of success over the years with uh, with Pierre Garcon. Um, but I think that that's the player that he kind of envisioned when they took Debo Samuel. And look, this guy was drafted higher than Dante Pettis. I feel like Dante Pettis is being like markered into the number one receiver role for the 49ers. It could easily be Debo, Debo Samuel 
Um, and, you know, so that's what you're getting into. You're, you're getting a potential number one wide receiver for Jimmy Garoppolo here late in the first round of Dynasty rookie drafts. Number eight, Seahawks wide receiver DK Metcalf. Very interesting uh, pre-draft run-up for him. I mean, a lot of hype, and then was one of the last picks of the second round, even though he was at the draft. I felt bad for him. Yeah, um, but he, I think he landed in a really good spot because, you know, we're pulling Doug Baldwin out of the offense. That's a ton of volume. Um, we are, you know, shoehorning Tyler Lockett into that slot role. And then who's going to play outside? DK Metcalf, I think, is a lock to play outside. And then you're talking about guys like Gary Jennings and, you know, Amara Darbo and, I mean, just, you know, not, not guys that are, you know, guys that maybe have a little bit of potential, but, you know, not, not guys that are going to come in and be commanding a ton of targets right away, I think. But DK Metcalf, think about how, how hard to cover on those improvisational plays with Russell Wilson. Can anyone cover this guy for like four seconds? No. So, man, I think he's going to have some really big games right off the bat. I think he's very much in play as a redraft pick and, um, I, I, I got excited about DK Metcalf the more I kind of thought about his situation. I actually was kind of down on him relative to, you know, where people were putting him in the mock drafts entering the NFL draft. I didn't have him as a first round pick in, in my mock draft. Um, but I think he landed in a good spot. Number seven, Eagles wide receiver, JJ Arcega Whiteside. Yeah, and this is a guy that I warmed up to the more I thought about it as well. Um, I was not super high on him before the draft. I thought he was—he actually got to the point where he was a little bit overrated uh, in my mind. But, man, he went to the ultimate landing spot. First of all, one thing I've tried to emphasize in recent years is betting on guys that are going to good, well-run organizations. And he checks that box. He checks the box that he's big and he's fast. Um, he weighs 225 pounds. He's 6'2", 225, and he ran 4'4", 7'4", 5' flat at Stanford's Pro Day. Um, he checks the box that, uh, well, you, you look at his opportunity. It actually it looks bad in year one. It looks, it looks like he's going to be their fourth wide receiver. But Alshon Jeffrey, they can save a ton of money by cutting him next offseason, and that's very much the, the kind of player that J.J. Arcego-Whiteside projects to, be, to become as a contested catch winner. He's the best contested catch receiver this past season uh, in college football. Um, and then uh, Nelson Aguilar already has one foot out the door, and then Deshaun Jackson is very year-to-year, and you know he's, he's going to be 33 in December. Um, J.J. Arcego-Whiteside, by 2020, could be Carson Wentz's number two receiver. The draft capital that they invested in him is very, very telling. And, you know, this is kind of a situation where I throw out my pre-draft evaluation. I'm like, it's, you know, I'm flipping coins anyways. You know, I, I think everyone's flipping coins, really, um, when it comes to pre-draft evaluations. And you trust the situation. You trust the organization. You know, I, like, and, you know, what, what one really big thing for me on, J, on J.J. Arcega-Whiteside was, I started doing rookie dynasty drafts myself and I could not pass on him at like number seven overall. 
you know, he, he was the guy that I wanted. And, um, you know, even though I had him ranked at like 14 at that time, but when I actually did rookie dynasty drafts myself, I was like, I'm not passing on JJ Hersego Whiteside after, you know, with, with all the information I know about him. Number six, Rams running back Daryl Henderson. Yeah, this is another guy that I want on my redraft teams. You know, the Rams have sent us red flags about Todd Gurley over and over again. You know, whether it be uh, matching the restricted free agent uh, tender offer to Malcolm Brown, whether it be trading up in the draft to go get Daryl Henderson. This is one of the most explosive running backs in college football history. Okay, I think the only reason that he wasn't drafted even earlier than this was because he played in the Conference USA. When he averaged over eight yards per carry all three seasons that he played at Memphis, he caught the football, you know, he generated yards after contact at uh, the the highest clip in the nation this past year. Uh, After the draft, the Rams compared him to Alvin Kamara in terms of the impact that he might make. And they're obviously concerned about Todd Gurley. Daryl Henderson is an aggressive buy in redraft and dynasty leagues. Yep, I agree with that one. Uh, Colts wide receiver Paris Campbell is number five on your list. What an awesome landing spot for this guy. Um, like everybody in Indianapolis is in a contract year, by the way. Uh, Devin Funches, contract year. Jack Doyle, Eric Ebron contract years chester rogers contract year ty hilton i've heard kind of some rumblings that they want to scale him back a little bit because they're worried that his body is breaking down um which makes sense he he has been super productive and he's still relatively young but you know they they don't want him to endure these six week stretches where he's battling a hamstring injury and you know we've seen that happen to a lot of speed receivers over the years with Paris Campbell, hand-picked guy by Frank Reich. Frank Reich wanted this guy. You go back and look at, you know, watch the um, the post-draft uh, or the post-draft YouTube videos on, you know, the the Colts draft room. This was the guy that Frank Reich wanted. They actually took Ben Banigou at I want to say it was 57 overall, and you could tell that Frank Reich started to get a little tense because they might miss out on Paris Campbell. They came back with their final third, uh, second round pick and they took Paris Campbell and then he started high-fiving the room. You know, he was really, really excited about this and for good reason. I think that he's such a good fit as a slot receiver in Indianapolis. There were some landing spots for Paris Campbell where, you know, I, I wouldn't have especially loved him, but this was the ideal landing spot. Any place like Indianapolis or Kansas City were going to be great, great landing spots for pass catchers. Paris Campbell didn't, you know, run a full route tree at Ohio State. No one runs a full route tree at Ohio State. But, uh, man, he was very, very explosive with the ball in his hands. I think he's going to fit perfectly upgrading on Chester Rogers in the slot and potentially becoming a guy who makes, you know, who who, uh, buys for offensive rookie of the year in, in, you know, as a rookie. Number four. Bears running back David Montgomery. Yeah, I think that there is a first tier in Dynasty rookie drafts, and this is and the, the cutoff is between pick four and five. 
because in David Montgomery, you were getting pretty much a locked-in lead back in an offense that is returning all five offensive line starters in an offense that um, you know has a mobile quarterback. And David Montgomery is just – his, his four, I think, is really, really high. I know he didn't run that well before the combine. He gets caught from behind so often when you watch him play, but he's a good receiver. He breaks tackles. He's a great guy, like in the locker room, by all accounts. He's like a leader. And I think that, and, and they traded up for him. The Bears traded up to go get him at, I think it was number 74 overall. He, this is the beginning of the tier that, you know, hey, if you're going to trade up, don't trade up to number five in your dynasty rookie draft. Trade up to number four to make sure that you, want, you get one of these top four guys. That's interesting that you think that there's their own tier there. Number three, Eagles running back, Miles Sanders. And you don't see Howie Roseman and, you know, the Eagles using high draft picks on running backs, do you? I mean, I don't think that they – have they even – Wendell Smallwood maybe? Or, or, or is he even a, a, a Chip Kelly carryover? I mean, they have not used any resources. They trade a future fourth for – Jay Ajayi, but you know they really have not used resources on the running back position. So that so because they haven't had good running backs, they've been dealing with guys like Smallwood and Corey Clement and Josh Adams, you know, undrafted guy. Because they've been dealing with all these guys, people have in their mind the idea that they're so committed to like a three and four way com- committee, which you know that's what teams with bad running backs do. Now they have a really talented running back. And the last time that they did, by the way, was Jay Ajayi, who over his last 10 games averaged 15 touches per game for the Eagles. And 15 touches per game for Miles Sanders would be great behind this offensive line. And this this offense is so freaking loaded, man. I mean, from a depth standpoint, a wide receiver, tight end, they have like two top 10 NFL tight ends. I mean, it's ridiculous how much talent is in this offense. They're going to score a lot of points. Um, Miles Sanders jumping into an unbelievable situation. Loved him when I watched him play. He reminded me of like a a souped-up Devontae Freeman a little bit. Um, He's got to clean up his ball security. You know, he's got to stop fumbling, but I think he's a really talented dude. Patriots wide receiver Nikhil Harry, you have number two. Wow. That's that's kind of uh, ballsy to have a Patriots highly drafted rookie receiver uh, number two. They do not have a very good track record with drafting wide receivers high. That's true. That's true. But in fairness, they have ne- they have not used first round picks on wide receivers. Uh, I think the highest guy that they drafted was Chad Jackson, who was very close to being. Uh, he was in the thirties, and they traded up for him, and that was a disaster. But, um, um, yeah, with uh, Nikhil Harry, he's, he's a big physical clasher. I think that he's going to, in part, replace what Rob Gronkowski gave them. I think that they're going to use him between the numbers a lot because that's, they're very good at identifying players' strengths and weaknesses and then adjusting for them. And there's so many targets available, you know. The Patriots' pass catcher core on paper is one of the weakest in the league. It's headed by Julian Edelman, who, I mean, clearly has a lot left on, um, in the tank. But, I mean, he's 
what, 33, 34 years old. He's turning 34 years old later this month. And, you know, and then there's a whole lot of nothing. So I think Akil Harry is going to a really good spot. I didn't love his separation skills before the draft, but I trust more so than any other team, the Patriots to adjust for that and put him in situations where he can succeed. Uh, He could be a factor right away, I think, in New England. The number one guy, this isn't much of a surprise, the only first-round pick running back, Raiders running back Josh Jacobs. Yep, and, you know, Josh Jacobs did not check every box from a production, from a workload standpoint. He wasn't even the starter at Alabama. Um, But in terms of his workload projection, what we saw from him on tape, and I think he's very much a trust-the-tape prospect because you know he didn't work out that great before the draft and you don't see that great production from him so you have to trust your eyes on this guy um and i I do trust my eyes on josh jacobs and clearly the raiders do because they drafted him in the first round um but i mean he's in position to be a, a big time workhorse from day one he's already like a third and fourth round uh uh redraft pick and i think that that's correct because He's in position to get the ball a lot and be very, very productive in Oakland. Um, although he didn't have, you know, the the workhorse volume at Alabama, no running back in the nation um, uh, beat his percentage of runs that went for touchdowns or first downs this past year. Over forty percent of his runs went for first downs or touchdowns. Uh, he can catch the ball. He's an awesome pass protector. They teach that. They drill that into their backs at Alabama. Um, and Josh Jacobs, for me, yes, is the 1.01 pick. Evan, you are the man. That was terrific, as always. I loved it almost as much as I love betonline.ag and being able to place wagers on NFL. There's prop bets or, of course, the NBA. You might want to go ahead and bet the Golden State Warriors. They're kind of good at basketball. We also have NHL. we got another Triple Crown race coming up in a couple weeks with the Belmont. All available, betonline.ag. But if you go there, and you should, use promo code PODCAST1 for that 50% welcome bonus. As I mentioned earlier, love the retweets. Uh, when Evan and I post it on Twitter, or I do it sometimes on Instagram and Facebook as well, those likes are very much appreciated. And you can always ask Evan any specific question you have about your fantasy team, your dynasty questions. All you have to do is take advantage of any of the sponsors on the sponsor page at RossTucker.com or just rate and review the show. Literally take two seconds, rate and review the show right after you're done listening. Screenshot it. Send me a question, Ross at RossTucker.com. Evan, what about this guy? Should I do this trade? Should I do this? Well, boom. It's that easy. I'm stuffed, though, for now. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.